Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 158, Preoccupied. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So the inspiration for this episode came from a really simple kind of in passing phrase that I heard uh, Michael Neal say in something I was listening to uh, not long ago, where he said that at some point he realized that every client that he worked with was preoccupied with something. And I love the simplicity in that. I've really, really heard something in that. So he was talking about coaching, but of course, any any client, anyone ever who's feeling stuck, suffering, struggling with something, has a problem, they're simply preoccupied. That's kind of big. <laughs> like, like, what if the only problem, like that is the problem. They're, they're one and the same. Suffering, struggling, feeling stuck is the exact same thing as being preoccupied. There's no difference there. When you are preoccupied, you, you are going to be having a limited experience to some, some extent. And when you are having some what of a limited or maybe even painful experience, you are preoccupied. They are one and the same. So this makes sense and it works when you really look at this word preoccupied and when you look at what we talk about here all the time, kind of how our experience is created, like what's there by default, by nature, pre, before anything else, and how we experience moment to moment the thing, story, image, all of that with which our mind is occupied. So this word preoccupied, obviously pre means before. Occupied is like, we know what occupied means. It's like seized or something, you know, our mind is chewing on a bone around something. There's something, something seized or occupied there. So it's kind of like our attention's been seized by something, some story or image or problem, what looks like a problem, such that we're no longer present to what's there before, what's there pre, by default. So flip it around. I mean, and, and we know that by nature, by default, we we live in this expansiveness, this infinite consciousness where no things exist because there's not yet even language there. So there can't be any things. There certainly can't be any problems. There can't be anything good or bad. There's not even a thing to be good or bad. <laughs> there's There's just this. <laughs> there's just all, everything, right? Infinite, infinite expansiveness, oneness. It's just oneness. It's all one thing. And then we have, we have a mind that likes to come in and, and label and create. And now there are things and this versus that. And as we get into the things and the this and that, of course, the things and the this and that have features associated with them and have evaluation associated with them because that's just what a brain does. A brain 
A brain is here to chop up that oneness. It's here to keep us physically alive. But in doing so, it puts labels and words and good and bad and approach void on everything. So it gives us an experience that is dualistic beyond the oneness. So we're having this, we're in this oneness. We live in this oneness. Life is this oneness. And and at the same time, we have brains. There are brains that make everything a thing. And every time our brain stamps a label or a word or on a thing, it also stamps a good, bad, neutral, approach, avoid, safe, unsafe, I like it, I don't like it, all of that to it as well. And we get occupied with what our brain makes up. We get occupied with the stuff, the things within the infinite oneness that our mind perceives, that our mind creates and then experiences and then perceives. And when we get so occupied with those things that they are kind of all we feel and all we see and we lose sight of the oneness, we can lose sight of that complete completely lose sight of the oneness where there are no problems. There are no solutions needed. There's, there just is, there's just life. It's just oneness. But when we lose sight of that and we get caught up in the isness or the thingness with all of its good and bad labels, it feels like we have a lot of problems. And when it feels like we have a problem, when there's some story, some problem that our mind is occupied with, you know, we can be like a dog chewing on a bone where we're just in there and over and over and over. And it feels like there's somewhere to get. It's like, this is a problem and it's real. And here's why it's a problem. And here are the 10 things I'm going to try to make it better. And here's what it means if I can't make it better. And we just get ourselves, our mind just gets us deeper and deeper and more repetitive and more and more into it. And And really all I'm saying there, all that's actually happening is we're just being really occupied with it. Our attention, our focus is just being really occupied by that thing that appears like a problem. And when that happens, we suffer and things look kind of hopeless and limited because think about it, they are in our our reality and that reality that we're in. So if... If there's this infinite oneness and now there's a thing stuck in, plopped down in the middle of that infinite oneness and we're staring at that thing. And so again, I'll say this in kind of more concrete ways. Like there's infinite oneness. You're you're asleep at night. Your mind is wandering around, but there's nothing that it's clinging to. There's just life. You wake up suddenly you have a memory of, oh my gosh, I have that meeting today and I really don't want that meeting because things might go really wrong. And if things go wrong at that meeting, it's going to mean X, Y, and Z for my future. And it's going to mean all these things about me. And now you're like a dog with a bone, right? So now this meeting is a problem. The meeting isn't a thing. It's not here. (laughs) It wasn't there a minute ago when you were asleep. It's not going to be there a minute from now, even when you're sitting in a room and you're talking with people, still meeting and all the meaning associated with it is made up. It's a brain generalizing and and coming up with story and and connecting dots and giving us this, this experience of a thing because that's what brains do. But really, you're just you're just 
there from one moment to the next. A thing has popped up in your infinite consciousness, This, the idea, the thought of this meeting, and then lots of ideas and thoughts that come on the heels of that that look and feel very personal and true. And now we're occupied. And we're no longer feeling what was there before we were occupied. We're just fully staring at this thing that appears to be a problem. Now, what I think is so cool, I love that our suffering wakes us up to this. And and if you think about it, I mean, the fact that we go from this infinite oneness to this very limited thing, idea, thought, in this case, the meeting, let's say you're focused, you're preoccupied with this meeting. The fact that that in our body feels tight and restrictive, like you can't take a deep breath, maybe your muscles get tight, that our body so perfectly mimics what's happening. (laughs) I think this is like, what an amazing design. Like when you, when we see this, it's when you're onto it a little bit, it's like, oh, how did I miss that? That all of a sudden our and our mind does the same thing. So our mind goes from, oh, maybe the meeting won't be so bad and maybe I'll just skip the meeting and all kinds of open fluid stuff to then then it ramps up, right? But no, I have to go to the meeting. And then what if this happens and it's likely to happen and it'll mean this. And so our mind does the same thing. Our mind narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows. We're no longer in this infinite oneness. We're in a very concrete, specific idea just a thought, full of imagery and emotion and detail and memory and all of that that makes this one little thought, not unlike any other thought, but all of the all of that supporting information makes it feel so real and so true. And then our body just reflects that perfectly. So our body goes from feeling from our muscles feeling loose and natural and are just being able to take a deep breath and your mind being open and open to possibility to everything shrinking in, like the walls are just closing in around you. How how perfect is that? (laughs) It's literally showing you exactly what's happening in your mind. And all it's showing us is we've become preoccupied. We've become occupied with something and we're no longer seeing what was there pre, what was there before it, what's there by default. I don't know, the fact that our body does exactly what our mind is doing in this way, I just think is so cool. It's like a, um, what's that thing called? A, is it an onomatopoeia? Now I feel it. Like I have to go ask my kids because they've learned this more recently than I have. But I think it's an onomatopoeia where like the word sounds like the thing it's describing. So like boom or meow, like like the word meow kind of sounds like a cat meowing. It's like that. <laughs> it's like that with our body, right? Like like our our mind is shrinking. We went from from pure oneness and no thing to more thing and more thing and then more meaning about that thing and now that meaning's all about me. And then our body just does the exact same thing to kind of reflect back to us what our mind is doing. I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome. But all that's happening is that our focus is shifted. 
that that we no longer have this wide open peripheral vision, giant view, giant oneness, but we've just zoomed in on something. And that is it's it's occupied, it's seized. Our mind has seized this idea and nothing else can get in. And you know, when people are preoccupied, you can't talk to them. Like that's sort of the thing about being preoccupied. Hello, are you in there? And they're they're so preoccupied with something that nothing else can get in. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about. It feels like nothing else can get in because we're just so hyper-focused on some little idea. I just love the thought that 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 is what, when someone says they have a problem, when someone is suffering, that is all that's happening. It almost feels weird to talk about because I talk about it so often. I think it's a given. But what this means is that there is nothing to solve. You know, part of that dog chewing on a bone thing where the snowball effect comes in where it's like, oh yeah, there's the meeting and now this and how am I going to get out of it? And if they reject my idea or they don't like me or they don't give me the raise or whatever, uh, then what will I do and what will that mean? And, you know, then we're problem solving something that's not even a problem and our solutions are coming from the same mind that's creating the problem. And then we're just more and more preoccupied. It's just a mess. But if the only thing that's going on is that we've become seized, temporarily seized by a thought such that we can't see and feel what's always there beyond it. And if we know that our our mind is always moving, that it's that it drops things and goes somewhere else and gets distracted and and it's designed to move in this way and always travel around and become occupied with new things all the time, that that is the design. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I still can't find a problem. Like, then what? Then okay. You feel this tightness, the onomatopoeia effect in your body. You know what's going on. You feel hopeless. Your mind is like only seeing no ways out. Your mind feels like it's a dead end. All of that shows you, oh, I'm super preoccupied with an idea. And when my mind shifts, it'll all be over. (laughs) And truly, and I know people argue with this sometimes, I mean, truly, When our mind stops chewing on that bone for a tiny second or just lets up or something else grabs our attention, if if and when there are real world solutions to be had, and there often are, of course, there usually are, that's where they come to light. So this isn't some magical thing um, where we just get to be oblivious and never do anything in the world. It's like we get to be in the world in a in a much simpler, freer way when we are not so preoccupied with any one given thought. So I think it's interesting to to remember that this works in the other direction as well, in that what we see out in the world, which is just projected out there from our minds, is obviously a, a perfect reflection of of where our mind is preoccupied. What's on our mind is what we see. 
And where our mind is not preoccupied, we're not going to see that because it's all happening in our own heads anyway. There was this really cool insight that um, that someone in our little school, Big Change community shared not long ago where she she had been on this this journey of seeing so much about the layers and layers of insecure thought that were there and in in relationships and in trying to make people happy first her her family and then her friends and now her partner and and she knew that was there and yet she kept wondering why her relationships were so hard and why her partner didn't appreciate her and why she couldn't ever make her parents happy and and it's interesting it's i mean this is what we, this is just so human it's what we go through it's like on some level she knew that this was a constant narrative and that clearly she's seeing everything through the filter of that narrative and yet it just didn't look that way and yet it's just like well yeah but he literally didn't appreciate the dinner i made for him and my parents literally looked me in the eye and said that's not good enough or what you know it's like we we have such objective concrete evidence that from apparently seemingly from the outside world that just feels like it's just different like that can't be coming from our own minds projection of things you know that's that's obvious and anyone would feel that way and You know, again, we all have this in so many ways, but it was really cool that after quite a bit of back and forth and discussion and exploration around around all of this, um, she had a moment where her partner did the same old stuff he usually does, didn't appreciate the dinner or after she cleaned the house, found a problem with it or whatever it was. And her mind was in such a different place that she just didn't care that it just looked and felt completely different. She could look at him and say, oh, look where his mind is coming from, picking all these problems out. Whereas before that was not anywhere, like she knew in theory that it worked that way, but that was nowhere in her experience. She had no, had had not really felt unhurt by what he had said in the past. And she had an experience of feeling unhurt by the same things that always felt hurtful before and really seeing what she could kind of reflect back was like, oh my gosh, I saw that it was my, it is my insecurity all the time. Even when he says unkind things, even when everyone can agree, yeah, that's not very nice what he's saying. She could see that she feels it the way she feels it because of her preoccupation you know, because of the story that's playing there, because of what's already going on in her own mind. And I don't know, I just thought this was a really cool, I hope it translates. <laughs> it was it was cool to hear it, knowing more of the backstory. But, you know, I think we can all sense this. We've all had so many experiences of this where you're just kind of bowled over, like, oh my gosh, how am I having such a different experience to this than I did before? And again, it's just all down to what we're preoccupied with or what we aren't preoccupied with in any given moment. Anything we're preoccupied with is going to show up in the world out there because (laughs) the world out there is the world in here. They're the exact same thing. There's no difference. So it cannot help but show up in what we see. 
So in thinking about this word, I'd been pondering it for a couple of weeks and thinking about sharing this. <clears throat> Someone sent me a quote that I really love. I think it was a short poem, actually, that, that kind of spoke to this that I thought was really cool. It's from Simone Weil. Um, and it says, grace fills the empty spaces, but it can only enter where there is a void to receive it. And grace itself, and it's grace itself that makes this void. The imagination is continually at work, filling up all the fissures through which grace might pass. So I love this first part. Grace fills the empty spaces, but it can only enter where there's a void to receive it. So when we aren't preoccupied, when we're preoccupied, there's no void. We're occupied. We're seized. There's no, there's no way in. When we aren't so preoccupied, when we're in more of that one oneness experience and that that fluidity with all the things that our mind or brain is creating and popping in there, where they're just more fluid, we're less occupied with them or by them, then grace itself can come in and make this void and fill the empty spaces. And then the second part, the imagination, so your brain, your mind, is continually at work filling up all the fissures through which grace might pass. So in that in that open expansiveness, there's a brain at work that's always wanting to put a thing in there. And with that thing comes a lot more things. With that meeting comes the fact that there's a you at that meeting and there's them at that meeting and all the things that might happen and all the things that might mean. That's the definition of preoccupation. Like that's where we're preoccupied with all of that stuff that imagination is continually at work filling up the fissures. I don't know. I thought that was kind of a kind of a perfect tie-in to this conversation. So I hope this was helpful in some way. I love when there are words, and we do this on our little school big change forum a lot. And people just someone just shared it around common sense. And she really kind of broke down the words common and sense. And we just sort of looked at this and it just you can do this with so many words um, and phrases. And I just think it, I think it's fun. I think it just sort of adds adds depth and dimension to these words and phrases that we just say at a very generalized level and don't ever think much about. And I also think it's really cool that when you do drill down in this way and get curious about the origin of words and sort of look at them in different ways, I don't know. I feel like it just reveals this bigger intelligence behind everything. I mean, my kids always ask, like, isn't it like, why did they call this room the kitchen? Why Wouldn't it be weird if like this room where we ate was called the bathroom or something? And, and it can feel like words and language are so arbitrary. But, you know, when you, when you look at them in this way, they don't feel arbitrary at all. It feels like, wow, we're really tapped into something universal here when these words were created and the deeper meaning that they reveal. So... I don't know. I think this is super fun. So I hope it was helpful for you too. The fall 2021 Little School of Big Change course begins August 30th. Thousands of people have enrolled in the Little School of Big Change to find freedom from unwanted habits, anxiety, and so many other issues. Those things bring them to the school, but really finding freedom from them is just the beginning. What it really does for people is open up a completely different world. It's a new way to see yourself, life, and all human experience that goes far beyond help with a specific habit or issue. It permeates every area of life. Many of the people who have gone through the six-week course 
are now part of our incredibly close and supportive graduate community. So that is always an option and it's just such an amazing thing to have available. The six-week course is led only twice a year and this is the last one until spring of 2022. When you enroll now, you ensure your seat, you save $47, and you get instant access to a library of resources to support you before August 30th. You can enroll at thelittleschoolofbigchange.com. I would love to guide you through deep and lasting change and really, again, a brand new way to see life. <music>